0: Check one, two, one, two. Mic check one, two, one, two. If you're alive today, let me hear you say, yeah. yeah, if you alive today, let me hear you say, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a hip hop artist by nature, y'all. But my name is uh, Chris Mack, again, a director of Mercy at City Hope Fellowship. Uh, I hope y'all enjoy my image here. It is uh, often humor that that helps me feel good in moments of pressure, and so. I'm hearing a little feedback back there, Paul, if you could, or if Paul's back there, I'm not sure. But as I'm preaching, if you could work on that, that'd be great, right on, bro. Um, And I will try to adjust accordingly. But our topic this morning is kingdom rest. And if you know me, you know I'm a creature of comfort. Y'all, I love being comfortable. I love finding rest. And it's important for me to know if y'all get good rest, too. I, I, one of my questions that I ask people when I first meet them. No, not when I first meet them. If I know them. If I'm like, how'd you sleep? I, I don't ask you that if I met you for the first time. So don't expect that question. <laughs> How you sleep this morning? But this image that, that I have in particular is not just about finding rest and napping. But it's finding that spiritual rest that physical rest, and that emotional rest. Thanks, Paul. Hey, give a hand to Paul, man. They're doing his thing. Man. If you got to come up here more than once, that's fine. So it's Monday, July 5th. I'm at the Men's Small Group. And at the time, it's just me speaking to Paul. He was there. Uh, my boy Kevin Simon was back there as well. Uh, he was with me at a small group, and I promise the, the group is usually bigger, but in the summertime people go on vacation. And so you see it go from 100 to 2. That's also a lot. It's like 10 to 2. Um, but, you know, we're talking about how our summer has been, praying for one another, just going in. And um, I start telling them about, like, how challenging the summer has been. Uh, you know, one of the reasons is just, like, work has been kind of stressful. Right. And, and, I, and I'm starting to work after hours. You know, my wife, Kat, she's working some after hours, too. But but she's got better, uh, better uh, restrictions in, in um, she's able to set boundaries way better than I am. You know what I'm saying? And so when my phone is buzzing and I'm supposed to be resting, I'm that guy who will ah, maybe I should answer it. Maybe I should pick up. And she's like, what you doing, fool? Don't do that. She don't say it like that, but she wonders that. And so Paul and Kevin challenged me by saying, you know, we're getting ready to go on vacation, right? We went to New Orleans. It was such a good time. But they challenged me. They say, look, when you go there, you should turn off your phone. Turn it off. Do not look at your phone. And I'm like, okay, this should be pretty easy. That that shouldn't be too hard, right? I should be able to do that pretty quick. And already, the next morning, we get up at like 3 a.m. to get ready to go. For some reason, I'm looking at my emails at 3 a.m. I see an email the day before from the elders talking through something, you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, I better respond, you know what I mean, before I leave. It's, it's good that I like get our communication out there before I take off, right? If you want to switch to that next slide for me, Kevin. This, this was Paul's response that entire time. Enjoy your vacation, Chris. Turn off your phone. I'm like, dang, strike one already, strike one. So, oh, that helped, helped a lot. Thank you. Hey, give it up for Josh now, y'all. <laughs> it was probably a suggestion from Paul, though, so don't get it twisted. <laughs> <laughs> so he tells me turn off my phone. I'm like, dang, strike one. Okay, okay, cool. It's whatever. It's whatever. I had someone call me like the day before about something too. And so I'm like, okay, all right, before before we before we touch down in New Orleans, what I'm going to do is I'm going to like straighten the situation out. I'm going to pass it off to Josh and he'll help me out here. So this next message that I get is from this group thread that I'm in and and Josh and his wife, Whitney, are in and, you know, Josh is picking up my work. So she's like, so Josh told you not to answer your phone. She didn't know Paul told me not to answer my phone. And she says, then you answer your phone. My wife, as witty as she is, says, hmm, that's interesting. And Whitney's like, don't answer your phone. Turn off your phone. And I'm like, okay, strike two. Dang, man, I'm not not listening like I need to be. And so all these needs keep popping up, and, and I'm not listening to the advice that's usually given that we hear in our culture, which is don't bring your work home with you. Keep that. You know, don't don't bring that on vacation. Don't bring that with you in moments of rest. Keep your work at home. Now, sure, we can probably acknowledge there will be times and emergencies when you have to answer. But these weren't necessarily emergencies. I felt that pressure. And rather than being in a moment of resting, I was in this moment of worry and hurry. And when we think about the life of Jesus, The the thing that I wonder and I think about is. It's easy for me to see moments where the Savior is actively moving and he's working miracles and he's performing these miracles in people's lives. He's healing. He's got people following him wherever he goes. But can we imagine Jesus taking time off? Can you imagine Jesus telling you, it's my day off. I got to get some rest makes sense. I mean, I would tell somebody that. Well, sort of. But can we imagine Jesus telling us that? Because a man is busy, and if I can be honest, I can, again, imagine all these extravagant things, but not finding him resting, taking a nap, chilling with his homies, relaxing with the 12. I don't know if they identify themselves as the 12, but we're going to say the twelve. You know what I'm saying he's kicking it with the homies we know he 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 went to weddings he would party he would have a good time, but we hear about these situations where he's always working, and we often embrace those more than those moments of rest. I got this quote from this article titled "Jesus Set Boundaries," written by Bill Gaultier, a doctor of psychology, that says, "I discovered." That in this humanity, Jesus had limitations that he accepted in a relaxed way. Like being in a human body that needed nourishment and rest that could only be in one place. With him only being in one place at a time. This helps me see that the Lord is serious about boundaries and rest. And in a culture where so much of our work ethic screams no days off. Y'all heard that before no days off. I'm here to share with us that Jesus took days off. We're going to take some time to look into the word of God to highlight some of these moments where he's resting and finding margins where he can do so. And so we're going to start by digging in the book of Mark chapter 6 verses 30 through 32. You want to switch that slide for me, brother? All right, and here it says, The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. So here's the context of what's going on. Jesus He's not just recommending to his disciples that they go to a desolate place because of a crowd, but prior to this happening, in Matthew 14, verses 12 to 13, I don't have that, so it's all good. It shows us that Jesus, he received news about the beheading of John the Baptist from John's disciples, and it was King Herod that chose to execute John. And not only this, but Herod was influenced by everyone talking, and they were speculating that... Hey, Jesus of Nazareth, he we think that he's John the Baptist. We think that he resurrected from the dead and came back as Jesus. And it must be the reason why Jesus is able to perform all these miracles and do all these wonderful things. So at this point, Herod wants to kill Jesus and his disciples. And already we're beginning to see the cognizance of Jesus, fully aware of his need to protect his well-being. Because he, he, reckon, he recognizes it's not his time yet to sacrifice himself. It is not his time. And so he is going to protect his well-being. But he's also going to look out for the disciples, too, because they're just getting started with their ministry. And we can assume this news is made public to the disciples. And in this moment, they're probably feeling the, the fear, the, the toil, and the struggle of doing ministry, and yet at the same time, having your life at stake. And the scripture doesn't exactly say how they're feeling, but we know that Jesus responds with this one thing. He says, let's go rest. So they're probably feeling some deep concern. They definitely feeling exhausted from their ministry. And so his solution is to bring suitable relief for these tired men moving around from village to village, empowered by Jesus to do ministry. And at the same time, feeling a, a lot of fear and terror. And even if there were disciples in that moment, feeling some confidence and excitement, which is probably the case when you see these miracles perform, you get fired up. Jesus celebrates that, but then he still follows up with, let's rest. Let me hear y'all say, let's rest. Because y'all going to hear me say the word rest a lot today. He celebrates this, but he wants them to rest because it's not always about doing the kingdom business, but bodies that demand some relaxation and some breathing time requires kingdom rest. Let me hear y'all say kingdom rest. We also see Jesus telling his disciples to rest right after they feed the five thousand. So so this is the point where they're like they're they're resting in the boat. And the moment they step on land, people already know where to find them. And so they find them right when they step on the land and everyone's ready to hear Jesus teach. It says in Mark, chapter six, verses forty five through forty six. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back to the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent, he sent the people home. And after telling everyone goodbye, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. So after he feeds the 5,000, everybody got a plate. You know what I'm saying? They got their solo cups with drinks. They got the styrofoam plates. They got the fish and loaves on there with the butter spread. It's all good. Everybody's satisfied. Disciples are probably still exhausted at this point. And he's like, all right, go rest. And he goes to pray in isolation. After every moment worth celebrating, Jesus acknowledges that he and his disciples must rest. He sent them away by sea, fully aware that if he does that, some boundaries are set here. And he goes to the hills. Now, now some of what I'm saying revisits a sermon that I've preached in the past. I preached one called the Fourth Commandment. It is based on the Fourth Commandment. And it highlights the importance of honoring the Sabbath. Not for the sake of just doing it, but because God tells us the Sabbath was created for us. You know, it's not just this thing where, and Josh has hit on this many times, but the Sabbath isn't just a list of things you should not do, but that requires something that you got to do. If you're not doing something, you got to do something here. And I'll get into that a little bit. Now, I recently read through some of this book called The, Ruth, the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. It's a book that Josh recommends. I'll make sure to have that on the screen after the sermon. In the book, the author brings up the meaning of Sabbath. It means more than one thing. The meaning is from the Hebrew Shabbat, which is to stop. To stop working, stop worrying, to stop thinking about the things that you're often concerned with, to just stop. But the flip side of that is that the Sabbath means to do something here, and that thing that you must do is to delight, to find delight in something, to stop and delight like God does. We see him do this in Genesis, and right here it says in Genesis chapter 1 verses 31 through chapter 2 verse 3, then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day, So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all this work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was a day when he rested from all his work of creation. Now, my my sermon isn't just a ghost simply through the Sabbath. We're not going to do that again. I promise I got new notes up here. I'm not copying and pasting what I talked about in the past. That's in the archive if you want to check it out. But rather than identifying the parallel in the Sabbath. It is to see that, oh, this mimics Jesus lifestyle. It, it mimics what he's doing on a regular day to day basis, not just so one day set aside where he's got to rest. But throughout his life moments where he's finding that. So at this point. We got to know what kingdom rest is, though. I keep saying rest. I keep saying kingdom rest. But y'all like, what does that mean, though, Chris? What does it mean? Essentially, it's the opportunity to find those moments of leisure so you can recharge with God. So you can recharge not only with God, but you can recharge with his gifts. You know what I'm saying? And I know it's been a minute, but... um, you know what we do around here, we got three Presbyterian points. Three Presby points, because Presbyterians, we like we like those bullet points. And so I got I got some for y'all. Not three. I got a bonus. There's four here today. It makes some of y'all happy. I, I see y'all jumping up in y'all seats. Just calm down. Relax. So my first point for y'all. But you got to know that kingdom rest isn't just for the weekend. It's a whole week off. Okay, You're not just, you're not just looking forward to the weekend. You're not working Monday through Friday saying, you know, man, it's been so hard. I can't wait till Saturday comes. I can sleep in. I can get some rest. This is saying, yo, you can find moments like this through the, throughout the week. That might sound absurd, but you look at the life of Jesus you realize, huh, maybe it's possible. It's more than just a day, but it's a way of lifelong abiding, being in the presence of God and being aware that he is always near you. Psalm chapter 23, verses 1 through 2 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. Now, when you read this text, it don't say, yo, he's gonna let me rest in green meadows next week. He's not gonna let me rest right now, but hey, just wait till I get to them green meadows next week. Right? There's no specific date to this. The reality is there will be some days where it's easy to feel stressed and drained out, and you're not resting in those meadows, but this thing is available to us every single day. The scripture shows that we are built and equipped. To rest. And in the King James Version, it says, He maketh me to lie in green pastures, which insinuates that rest is a big part of who we are and what we do. Now, all right, I got to clarify at this point, I'm not saying be lazy, okay? I, I, I can tell some people are already concerned, like, dang, you saying just slack off? I'm not, I'm not saying that. But, I am challenging us that the Lord calls us to find moments of rest, okay? Work hard, but rest. And we'll get into some of that, okay? That's in my Presby points. You ain't getting it yet, but you will. It's important to see that in verse 1, the author says, I have all that I need, meaning in rest, their needs are fulfilled, and not leaving them in a place to where they're always wanting or worrying about things, Now, to have this mentality, you know, as I mentioned, through an entire week is difficult. But the scripture is meant to bring us comfort in knowing that God's not demanding, hey, you better do this or else I'm going to strike you down. Rather, God is saying, hey, I got a place for you to rest in me. Don't miss this opportunity. And so we have to be willing to open those windows of opportunity when they come. You have to be sensitive to finding those moments. This is a sermon where I got a lot of references and I got a lot of quotes for y'all. And I, and I will have links in the description below. Okay, But uh, this uh, book was actually one that Bridget recommended to me. And I read that bad boy. It was good. It's titled The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Not Brother Lawrence Jerome Herbert, but. Brother Lawrence, Um, that's Rome. He preached last week, for those who don't know. The book is a collection of teachings and letters and conversations from a 17th century Carmelite friar who practiced keeping an awareness of the Lord's presence everywhere that he went. And so this is a guy working as a friar. He um, was working and cleaning in the kitchen. Right. And in those moments. He would pray to the Lord. In those moments where he's scrubbing the floors and, and mopping them or, or cleaning the pots and pans, he would focus on the Lord. And he has a quote that says, I'm doing now what I will do for all eternity. I am blessing God, praising him, adoring him, and loving him with all my heart. Anybody ever worked in a kitchen before? If you have, you know, raise your hand. Let me, let me get a, get a poll here. Dang a lot of people work kitchen before. Is it easy to do this when you're working in the kitchen? Be real, don't lie. Okay, some of us ain't a brother, brother Lawrence right now. But it even took time for brother Lawrence to get where he is. Okay, and when you're working in the kitchen, because I worked in the donut shop. Also on top of that, I had a co cowork- I had, I had co workers who would always quit. So then it's like. Oh, now I got to work your part of the shift now, too. You know, so it's like i I'm sorry, Brother Lawrence. It's hard to do what you do in this moment right now. I need Jesus. But it is possible. And, and I remember that book challenging me in those moments. I remember it challenging me in moments where I was even driving. You know, what I'm saying like, how do I use my time where there's empty space throughout my day to say, how can I praise and rejoice in the Lord and find those moments of rest? And so I began to turn off my my car radio and I would use those moments to pray. Not just for. For my soul, but, you know, to pray for others that I was thinking of in those moments, to pray for situations that would arise right after. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, if you're praying in the car and then you hit the grocery store, that's not always the most pleasant space to be in. And that's where uh, I find myself being most sinful. You know, insert whatever that is for you. It might be waiting in the fast food line and it takes forever to get your order in the fast food line. I promise it's not a personal story, but (laughs) I made it sound very specific. But think about it. The disciples, they did ministry and then Jesus took them on a boat to rest a while, right? just just a little bit. Then they got off the boat. They had to get right back to work. That's one of those moments where Jesus was like, I want you to feed 5,000. And they like, bro, <laughs> you want us to do what now? Like, why don't you feed 5,000? And then, of course, he does. They also didn't say that, but I'm sure they were feeling that. How am I going to feed 5,000 people? What do we got? You know? And so not only that, but Jesus had compassion for these people in these moments. He fed them. He fed the disciples because they were exhausted too. They needed rest. And then after that, he sent them off on a boat to go rest some more. Think about the moments where, oop, that was weird. Think about the moments where you are working so hard and you only got a little margin of rest. And now you can seek Jesus. In those times, so that's our first point. You know what I'm saying? That 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 comes all week. You know what I'm saying? That's just not a weekend special. You get that whenever you want. The second point that I have for y'all is that kingdom rest fuels your work. Kingdom rest does what? That sound either y'all tired or y'all feel at rest right now. I don't know which one it is. Kingdom rest fuels the work. Have you noticed that when Jesus is returning from rest or even out of town and he returns to the person waiting on him or the group waiting on him, they always ask, um, where were you? Where was you this whole time? You know, Martha and Mary, when he gets ready, ready to uh, resurrect Lazarus, where was you? Um, this man could have still been alive. <laughs> Jesus' disciples, whenever the crowds were waiting on him, "Um, where was you, Jesus? The people are waiting. And here's the hard reality. Jesus is okay with making people wait. Clearly, he's okay with it now because we're still waiting to go home, right? How often do we ask ourselves, man, I'm ready to go home, Jesus. I'm ready for you to return. and We're still waiting for that, which is tough. But he's okay with waiting. But in these moments where they were asking when he was waiting, it wasn't him saying, yo, my bad, I overslept. But I'm here now, you know what I'm saying? It's all good. It wasn't him twiddling his thumbs. It wasn't him, you know, trying to finish that last match on Fortnite or Call of Duty, whatever, insert. He was resting with the father in these moments. And if Jesus ran from the hill every time saying, oh, yo, yo, I'm sorry. I I didn't I didn't mean to show up so late. That would probably have a different impact on our relationship with him. right? thinking about him being late unintentionally. He's often leaving us waiting for a reason. He's either resting in the father, which teaches us that we ought to be okay with doing the same too. Imagine how this concern, what others thought, would have affected his capacity to truly care well. The problem ain't that Jesus doesn't care about his work or his people. The problem is that people, we put our own expectations on the work of Jesus. And unfortunately, the work becomes priority in moments when rest needs to be priority. And I'm not saying... That the Lord was never hungry, or that He was never, um... because we got to remember, Jesus was fully man, and so He experienced exhaustion and being tired and weary. We saw that in moments when He was in the Garden of Gethsemane before He was persecuted. But He exercises His need for rest as we ought to. Jesus, being fully Messiah and fully man. Accepted his limitations, but do we? Do we accept our limitations? Got another quote from Bill. And it says, to know yourself and be secure that you are loved is essential to all relationships and activities. The better your boundaries of self-awareness and self-definition are, the greater your capacity to offer empathy and love for others. Good boundaries help help you care for others because you have a stable foundation to operate from and are not distracted or depleted by personal insecurities or blind spots. I can't be the one to assume that Jesus felt insecure about himself. I don't know if it was that, but I'm sure that as a human, there was probably a danger of feeling like I have limitations. I have limitations. I find myself exhausted. I can't operate out of my full potential. I I wonder if Jesus was like, man, this this is really hard to do because I'm limited in this body right now. And I got a scripture that highlights that, Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7, which says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Unlike many other servants of the Lord, Jesus did not live on the, on the defensive, overextending himself and getting more and more tired and then finally taking a break after he's reached a snapping point. He got tired, but he didn't overextend himself like we often do because he prioritized that rest. I got that third point for y'all, and that third point is kingdom rests slow, and that kind of talks about the pace of God in which he operates. Another resource, in the book, Three Mile an Hour God, Japanese theologian Kusuke Koyama says, God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would have gone much faster. Love has its speed. It's an inner speed. It's a spiritual speed. It's a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed to. It is slow, yet it is Lord over all speeds since it is the speed of love. I don't know if this guy's a poet, but that sounds like poetry to me. We see in the Lord that the way He communicates love is by taking His time doing things for us. This is expressed in His workmanship, but it's also expressed in the way that He rests. It's okay to take your time when you need to. And in those moments, cling to the Lord and listen to the wisdom of family and friends that tell you take a break. Don't answer your phone. (laughs) Turn your phone off, man. You're in New Orleans. Don't text back. Don't email. And it's not because you, you don't care about these people who have needs. But if you're going to let the rest fuel your work, say, you don't snap on this person? I'm guilty of that. <laughs> I am. You know what I'm saying? I, I try to be a patient dude, but Josh knows I need Jesus. <laughs> Man, I ain't snap on him, by the way. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> He was not the one I snapped on. But you got to let the rest fuel the work. And I'm preaching to myself when it comes to that. And there may be others who relate to that. that You feel the need to step in and to save somebody or to help someone. And you ain't had rest. And you know you're at that point where you start to say, "Mm, my patience is thin, Do you depend on yourself in those moments to say, "Ah, I need to be more like Jesus. I got to step in. I got to do the thing. I got to help this person right here. They need this, need this. I'm there. I'm there. You know what I mean? Or do you say, you know what? I'm going to let somebody else handle that. (laughs) And sometimes Jesus calls you to, you know, actually not sometimes, all the time. He calls you to cling to him in those moments. But he also tells you to rest, too. Our fourth point, the bonus point, is that rest isn't deserved, but it is given. It's not deserved. It's given. It is a gift to each and every one of us. I want us to think in terms of the gospel here. The grace that Jesus has shown us by giving us eternal salvation through his blood can and never will be earned by our own doing. It's simply given to those who believe in him and his power. And I want us to think of rest the same way. It's simply given to us. and We don't have to earn it. We don't have to deserve it. The reality is, in some ways, quote from A.J. Swoboda, says, we have become perhaps the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, spiritually malnourished people in history. It's a blunt quote. And I like that he says, perhaps, because I'm like, maybe there's some way I can slide myself out of that. You know what I mean? That might not be the reality for us. But it also leaves room to think about, is that the case for our culture in the way that we think and operate? But there's truth to it because we're in a world that says, hey, well done. You worked hard. You deserve a break. You deserve it. You worked hard. man. You, you, you killed yourself. Getting that done. Take a break. You deserve it. Which isn't inherently a wrong thing, by the way. You know, with good things, they can always be manipulated. But the shift begins when we believe that we deserve rest only, If we worked hard, if we worked ourselves to the ground, we must earn our rest is what culture tells us to enjoy it. We must suffer first. This means we won't even consider the possibility of resting outside of hard work. This takes away the need to rest from things outside of our work. Makes it sound like rest can only happen when and if you're working. Personally, I think the Olympics is a good example of this. The influence of hard work culture worked its way into the life of thousands of athletes. Simone Biles being one of those athletes. So much that to bring up the conversation on mental health in the sports era has turned into a non negotiable. And we wait until injury or death to even have the discussion. Right. Simone Biles, being that example, has heard comments such as you barely even competed this Olympic season. And when the pressure is on, you back out and you betray your team and you betray America. True things being said. These things have been said without hesitation, without considering what that person might be going through. But if you look closer, you'll see a different narrative in this case. You see a woman who was scared. Was nervous, who felt pressure from the world, deep sorrow from hearing the news of a loved one, a relative passing away while she was overseas. Confused, constantly competing, and just not as confident as she used to be. She may have stepped down mid-competition, but the compassion that she had to cheer on her team and to believe in them and their performance. She got to watch her companions. Companions taste the sweetness of gold, silver and bronze. She rested and got herself right before competing in her final event. And she also shared this public quote. The outpouring love and support I've received has made me realize I'm more than my accomplishments in gymnastics, which I never truly believed before. To think that you could come to that realization the moment that you decide to step down from competing makes you wonder, would she have thought that if she had competed? Is gold worth feeling depression? Or physically injuring yourself. One of the things that I've appreciated is commentary from Michael Phelps during the Olympics. And this is the thing, like, we, we've been watching, like, Olympics like crazy, you know what I'm saying? Every four years, we on it. But also, we ain't been married four years, so, you know, that was done separately, too, you know what I'm saying? We equally love the Olympics, me and my wife. <laughs> but one of the, again, one of the things I really appreciated, so we're watching, like, all kinds of coverage and, you know, segments where Michael Phelps is talking because he was there and he's talking about, man, like, I was feeling that deep depression even after I got so many gold medals. Once I retired, the question was, what, what else is there other than swimming and competing? And that's hard. But someone who dealt with that depression recognized that you don't have to necessarily deal with that At the end of your road, those are things that you can process now. And so it was really, it was really dope to hear him like give space for someone like Simone to say it's okay to like question yourself and to work through some of those things mid-competition. So who's to say that um, she wouldn't have had that realization? I even think about hip hop culture. You know what I mean? That's if y'all not, you know, what I mean, if y'all don't listen to hip hop, this is what you need to know. It is often a culture where there are so many bragging rights, and it has become a norm. You know what I'm saying for, for rappers and MCs. The thing that I used to embrace to say, "Yo, I ain't getting no sleep no, last night. I've been I've been in the studio all week. I ain't been taking no showers. I ain't been eating. You know what I'm saying? I've just been on the grind. I've just been working." You know what I'm saying? Those are things that like that's the kind of work ethic that that the culture starts to idolize. We we start to say you can't produce a good album unless you're in this current state. But that's a lie. Yeah, we idolize it. So don't hear me saying that competing is, is a bad thing. You know what I'm saying? Like work hard. But if we cared about being people of rest as much as we cared about our work and careers, then it would change things. I literally work in a job that involves me showing the love of Jesus, yet I find it hard to rest in the Lord. And it's easier for me to do the work than actually spend time with Jesus. Preparing this has brought me so much conviction because I'm just looking at myself in a mirror saying, you don't do this well. But Jesus, (laughs) y'all... But Jesus, can I hear y'all say? But Jesus, mm. how is it that I'm created to rest, but I don't always know how? The danger is that if if I don't, then I should. Um, the danger, sorry, excuse me. Danger is that if I don't, when I should, then it'll only make it harder when I finally rest. If you don't rest when you should, it's only going to make it harder for when. You need to rest. You ever tried to watch a movie, but you just keep checking your text messages, emails, or social media? I see some, some head nods out there. Okay. You ever tried listening to a uh audiobook or an album or podcast, but you figured might as well clean the house? Looking a little dirty around here. <laughs> Alright, okay, all right. I'm hearing I'm hearing y'all, I'm hearing y'all. That's good, that's good. Okay. Let's try this one. When you go to bed at night and you find yourself tossing and turning because you're just thinking about everything that happened like throughout the day, can't even fall asleep. Or things that you wish you could have changed from the day. You find yourself thinking about that? When you wake up, do you run through an endless checklist of things that you need to do for the day? I do. I definitely do that one. It gets so bad that that I look at the clock and I think of the things that I got to do. And then I start telling myself, ain't ain't no way I can get this stuff done. You know what I mean? That's my first thought when I wake up in the morning. You ever try reading the Bible in a state of restlessness, but just found it boring? One of the most common ones is. Do you try to have quiet time with the Lord, but find your mind just bouncing everywhere? don't even feel like a quiet time. It's one of the noisiest times. It's the opposite. These are some good inventory questions to ask. But even after sharing four points of what Kingdom Rest looks like, it probably makes you wonder, "Mm, these feel like things that I don't know if I can meet, right? Can I actually do these things? Can I actually acknowledge these four points? You know what I'm saying? And that's not to say that there aren't more points that could be added to that, but makes it hard. But let's look at Hebrews chapter four, verses nine through 11. It says, so there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter into that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. The Lord embracing In eternal rest. And to find that special rest means to embrace the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord, right? So let's not fall by not embracing this truth. Yet at the same time, there seems to be a parallel of knowing that we can find rest even here and now. And if we don't find rest here and now, if we don't get what we need, It's easy to see fall is you're going to (laughs) struggle. You're going to struggle here. I think uh, last week, Rome did an incredible job of talking about this wedding celebration. Right. He's getting married. Shout out to the people getting married real soon. You know what I'm saying? We got Logan and Darcy getting, getting ready to get married real soon, too. You know what I'm saying? So there's something beautiful about seeing how marriage is an image of us as his church, as Jesus' bride, and Jesus being the groom, creating this place for us, this this wonderful place, setting up the ceremony for us to to express thrill and excitement, to be able to party, to dance, to eat real good. I just came back from a wedding yesterday. You know what I'm saying? And all those things were there. You know what I mean? Chakutari boards everywhere. <laughs> Good music, pasta, you know what I'm saying? I think that's probably the first wedding I went to where I had Italian. (laughs) It was a good time. That's that's really what I'm trying to get at here. And there were donuts there, too. We brought some back, you know what I'm saying? I'm going home, and I'm going to finish my donut, unless my wife finished them already. Oh, they gone. That won't be the case in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Jesus has and will continue to take his time to set up the wedding arrangements for us. And we'll celebrate, we'll dance, we'll sing, we'll eat, we will rejoice. And those are some of the things that Rome shared. But I'm here to finish the, the tail end of the story. You see, after that happens, right, yesterday being a perfect example, we uh, went to the wedding with, with Kat's parents, right? Moment I jumped in that car, out, slumped, and y'all know what it's like when you come back from a wedding, and you say, man, I can't wait, I just can't wait to just." <laughs> Any anybody else, okay, this is what I'm talking about, uh, look, it's just so good, I love sleep, you know, and I know that after I get done dancing, and, and, and eating real good, I'm ready to sleep, right, ready to sleep in a queen-size bed. Oh, so precious. <laughs> I just tell myself I can't wait to go to bed. This car seat cool because the reality is I can sleep anywhere and everywhere. You know what I'm saying? I just fall asleep. I can make it happen. You name it, I got it. <laughs> but it ain't nothing like sleeping in that bed that's been made for you. And the Lord's got a nice temper pedic set aside for you. Oh, just you wait. <laughs> Just getting a little taste before that final rest after you had the grand celebration and you get the rest in the Lord. God says, I got a special rest waiting for you. And by that, I'm not going to say it means sleeping all the time. You know what I'm saying? Some, some people don't like sleep as much as I do. That's OK. Whatever you find restful. Right. Because because even when we were talking through uh, the, the fourth commandment, you know, honor the Sabbath. One of the, some of the things I highlighted is that it doesn't mean just this simply taking a nap. You know what I'm saying? Watching a football game and taking a nap. It might be some people love creating to rest well. Some people love thinking to rest well, not thinking about their work, but thinking about other things, reading, whatever it is. The Lord's got you. The Lord says, I have a final rest waiting for you. Ready for you. And it's going to be nice. We ought to admire this reality and to embrace it even now. You can live your life knowing that this is to come, but also you can have that kingdom rest here and now. And it's what Jesus did during his time here on earth. He found those windows of opportunity to take off from this mind that's constantly moving and working. He found those opportunities, and so we have to find those opportunities, too, and be real intentional about them. By following the rhythm and the slowness of Jesus, and to love ourselves and to love others will require times, but we just got to slow down and rest. Amen? So I got some uh, resources for y'all to check. I've been talking about all this rest. There's some people who know how to do it better than me. You know what I'm saying? Believe it or not. And uh, I got three books, all right? So I'm going to highlight those. And um, I would encourage you guys to really read these things. The one I, and these were all these quotes are coming from, you know what I'm saying? Experts of rest, if you will. Uh, this one, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by Mark, uh, John Mark Comer. That's one that Josh recommends all the time. And I've skimmed through that book for sermon prep. I have not read it entirely and. uh want to. <laughs> I probably should if I'm quoting it, you know what I'm saying? But I just got to be real with y'all. But it is a great book that pushes you to think about what are the things that keep you from um, slowing down and finding those moments where you really need to and, and in a culture where everything's just quick, quick, fast-paced, you know what I'm saying? And so he challenges a lot of those things. The next book that I have is Three Mile an Hour God which the book that I just referenced references this one. <laughs> and what's really nice about uh, some of the quotes that came from Kasuke Koyama is that he talks about the speed of God and that God operates slowly. We experience that. And so to have a book where we can learn about what it means to embrace that reality instead of shaping God into what we think he should be, someone who acts and works quickly, and he does really care. You know what I'm saying? This book challenges that narrative. And then the third book, of course, is the one that that Bridget recommended to me, so I'm going to recommend it to y'all. The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. not brother Jerome Herbert III but Brother Lawrence. And that one's really good because it's just filled with letters and teachings from Lawrence himself and seeing how he actually put Practicing in the presence of God, in in real time. You know what I'm saying. I, I think some of those letters are like dated and, and, and whatnot. Correct me if I'm wrong, Bridget, but I mean it's, it. At least has his name written in it. So, <laughs> but I I'd highly I highly recommend these. You guys should at least pick up one of those books. And you know I could finish today by saying, hey, here are like three things you can practice right now. Here's three books that you can begin to read right now. And so I'll make sure to share those on um, Facebook, and you guys can check out the page and, and see those references. Um, if you wanna hit me up on a cellie and ask me, you know, I don't mind responding. But you're gonna have to wait until my day off. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. Or my work day, not my day off. No, don't, I won't respond on my day off. Um, Yeah, so I'll make sure to reference those for you guys, and y'all can check them out. So, five moments of rest, y'all. I mean that. There's students here who are getting ready to go back to school, and it's going to be real hard. Rest can be done in community, too. You know what I'm saying? So, if it means you got to rest with people, do it. But the Lord's created you to be able to do just that. And so we got to learn how to embrace that. Sound good? I don't know. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we're thankful that we're really grateful. Grateful that we can slow down. It's hard for me to acknowledge that and to say that at times where I know that I can be hasty and working rapidly and thinking about so many things. It can be hard to be still. And so it's easy for me to say it now, God, because I'm talking about rest. I'm talking about how much I love rest and I don't feel that haste. But in moments where I'm not feeling this way, help me remember that this is a good thing. Help us all remember that rest is a good thing. And, and for us to see that you have those moments. You know, and, and I think the irony of that is that, you know, we, we see in scripture moments where you, you're working and you're doing things for the glory of God and you are moving and you are, you know what I mean? Like, but we don't have a ton of moments where. It's been documented that, that you've rested. Right? There are some here. There's, there's some that I was able to share today, God. And what's really cool about that is that means that those spaces were honored. Those spaces of rest are sacred. And so you didn't need a scribe next to you documenting that or, you know, we, we see a ton of miracles. And it's just given that you find rest, Lord. And so thank you that we can see that. Thank you that you care for our well, well-being more than the work itself. The work, the kingdom work that's being done is for us, God, is for people who don't know you. It's for your children to, to be with you in the rest. And so help us do that this week. Help us do that next week and then the week after and the week after. Help us embrace the things that we love doing that help. Help us rest so that we can work. And we can work well and we can work in ways to glorify you. You're good, God. You take you take things slow. Sometimes that's hard. But you operate in the pace of love. And we're grateful for that. Help us embrace that. It's in your name we pray.